Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. This is where we'll start as far as looking at some verses. Uh, we're continuing, of course, our study, Angels and Demons. This semester, we're looking at these beings, and they're all over the Bible. And we know this. They're in this room now. I mean, we, 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 it's hard for us to think about this, but they're these spirit beings that are really invisible to us. Sometimes they have a manifestation in some way, but there are beings that, that are millions of them that God created. And we, we could raise a couple of questions. Is why would God create angels? He, he doesn't need angels. He doesn't need anything, right? He doesn't need angels. He doesn't need anything. And yet he created these beings that are everywhere. And not only is there these good angels, but there's bad angels. And they're with us now. They're very powerful. Who are they? What do they do? How do they relate to us? We mentioned that if you go back to the beginning of the Bible, there's an, an angel there and then other angels you go to the end of the bible and there they are and we said that uh, you can you can put them in two big groups good angels that serve god to mankind and bad angels called demons sometimes that are satan and his angels who oppose god and mankind in our first four lessons what we decided to do was look at angels as a whole look angels and we focused on how they relate to god and how they relate to mankind how they relate to jesus but these last lessons, we're looking at what we're calling the dark side. And that's where we begin looking at fallen angels. And over the next lessons, few lessons, we're looking at the prince of darkness, the Satan. And the, we got all kind of names, Lucifer, Satan, the, uh, you know, the, the devil, uh, the, the, the dragon. I mean, there's all kind of names. We're going to see them tonight. He's the head of the fallen angels, the anointed cherub who rebelled against God. And it's just hard to comprehend that there is a being that God God allows this. And I say, here's the thing we have to think about. If God wanted to, could, could there be the end of all bad angels immediately? Yeah. It could, but there's a, there's a reason, and we don't even know what necessarily what it is, but there's a reason he allows Satan to exist, Satan and his angels to exist in our world system. And so we're going to see how all that fits together. He's a very powerful being. He's opposed to God, to mankind. He's evil. He's more evil than we can imagine. That's why I've got it to start. It says sinfulness, names, positions, activities. Uh, his goal, of course, is to be God, to be like God, to be worshipped, to rule everything. But he's so evil. But the good news is that even though he is the most evil creature that any of us could ever imagine, uh, God rules the world. God's in control. And this being is limited by what God allows him to do. Even Satan and his actions fit in God's perfect plan. So God's plan is to reconcile the world to himself through his son, Jesus Christ. And he's done that in reality when Jesus died on the cross to pay for sin and rose again. And everyone who believes basically is, uh, has eternal life. So we begin our focus on Satan, his creation fall. Tonight, here's what we're going to look at. And if you notice your handout, it says Satan, the head of the fallen angels. We're going to look at three things. We're going to look at his sinfulness, okay? Sinfulness. We're going to look at some places and where, how bad he is. And we'll just talk about it. Of course, you know, let me just tell you, does he want me to teach this lesson? No. no. So... It, 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 we're, it's a spiritual battle. We're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against powers, against world forces, against spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. We're in a spiritual battle. Well, people aren't the enemy. People say, well, I hate that person. Now, you know, people aren't the enemy. They're all fooled and they're messed up. And, of course, they, you know, they make choices, but they're not really the enemy. Our enemy is, 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 uh, is spiritual beings. And so we're going to look at his sinfulness. Then we're going to look at his names and positions. And we talk about positions. We'll talk about what we mean in a minute, how they fit. And then the last thing we'll look at, his activities. What does he do? 
What does he do to us? What does he do? What's his plan? What, how does it all fit? And so there's a lot there. Let's start by thinking of something. Because we're, we're looking at Satan and the fact that he's sinful, right? right? Everybody admits that Satan's sinful? Okay, let me ask you this question. Are you sinful? <laughs> how bad are you? We're pretty bad, right? I mean, we're so bad. We're so bad, we don't even know how bad we are. We know we don't know how bad Satan is, but we're pretty bad too. Think about this. When we think about man, man is a sinner in three ways. I got it there for you. The first one is what we call uh, imputed sin. Okay, imputed. Okay, and that means that it's credited. And here's what happened. When Adam sinned, that sin was credited, imputed to the whole human race. Every human being comes into the world dead in sin. Adam's sin. It's as if, and it's true, that when Adam ate the fruit, all of us ate the fruit. So every human being comes into the world dead in sin. They have the imputed sin of Adam. The second way that we're sinners is what they call inherit sin, like we inherited it. We inherited a capacity to sin. It's called the flesh. We all know that when we come into this world, we come into this world with a natural bent to what? Sin. To sin. You, you do not teach children to sin. You teach them to do what? To do right. We say, don't, do, don't hit your brother. Don't steal that. Take that. Where did you get that? You know, we, I mean, we look at them and we think about it and say, why did they do that? And you say to these little, cute, little, wonderful things, don't touch that, honey. Don't touch that because that could... Don't, why, why are you touching it? And they're looking at you like, I'm going to touch it because you told me not to touch it. <laughs> right? So we come into this world with a natural bent to sin. And then the third thing is we sin personally. We actually choose to do wrong. Right? I mean, we do it. We choose to do wrong. We're all sinners. And so if you get back, the first one uh, was imputed sin. The second one is inherent sin. And it says the flesh. And then the third one is personal sins. And it's we choose to sin. So that's how we are. And so we don't like to think that we're bad. Many of you are not old enough to know, but there was this comedian. His name was Flip Wilson, and he had all kind of different <laughs> characters. Most of, uh, as you can tell, all the old people laughed, and all the young people went, "What's he? Who's Flip Wilson? Who's from?" And he used to say, "The devil made me do it." That's what he'd always say. The devil made me do it. And a lot of times, that's what people want to say: is you know, the devil's after me. The devil made me do it. If you remember, I said several weeks ago that if you think the devil, the evil creature, the devil, is after you, then you are the most important human being on the face of the earth. He can only be at one place at one time. Now, he can move fast, but he's not like God. He's not everywhere. He can't be everywhere. And so when we think about sin, I want you to realize that the devil controls the world system, and the world system affects our flesh, but we're responsible. So that's why I want you to look at James chapter 1, James chapter 1, and look at verse 14. He's talking about our sin. He says, but each one, each one of us is tempted when he's carried away and enticed by his own what? Lust. The word lust there is referring to the flesh aspect. And when the lust has conceived, it gives birth to what? To sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. Where does our, where does our sin come from? From flesh. We got a natural bent to sin. We are born with it. We, we are, as Christians, and new creations in Christ, do we still have a natural bent to sin? Yeah, it's the battle. That's why Paul says we wrote, there's this battle going on, the flesh against spirit, spirit against flesh, contrary one to another. And so this is where we are. So we would, uh, we'd love to blame our sin on the devil, but it's not there. It, we, it, it, he affects the world system, the world system affects our flesh. Let's see, and we're going to think about 
Satan and his sinfulness. So as we study tonight, his sinfulness, his positions, his activities, we'll just see how all this goes and see how we put it together. So let's look. If you look at the bottom of the page, it says the devil, his sinfulness. Okay? We want to see his sinfulness and what he does. Now let's think about evil. Let's think about evil people. What, 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 who is this guy named Jeffrey Dahmer? What, what was he? Who was he? He was a serial killer. What did he do? He killed people and did what? And ate them. Okay, that's pretty evil, right? I mean, when you start thinking about it, that's pretty bad, right? What about, what about Hitler? Oh, how many people? He at least killed six million Jews. We're not even counting gypsies. We're not counting mentally ill people. We, he killed so many people. How about this guy named Pol Pot? Anybody remember Pol Pot in Cambodia? He killed millions of people. They found, they found places where it's just thousands and thousands and thousands of skulls of all the people they, they murdered and killed and then piled them in these graves. And what about Stalin? Uh, he was a horrible, horrible. I mean, you just, and think about terrorists. People nowadays, they'll go into some place and they'll just shoot a whole bunch of people for no reason. Would you say those are evil? Those are evil acts? We would. When we think about evil, though, nothing compares to the devil. Nothing. I mean, you, can't, you, can't, you cannot picture how much he hates you and how much, how evil he really is. I mean, you know some of your thoughts, right? Do you have evil thoughts? I mean, they come from your flesh, right? Do you have evil thoughts? Admit it, right? Yeah. Okay. And they're pretty bad, aren't they? Yeah. And there's sometimes you think something, you go, where did I ever get up, get that idea? Where would that be in my brain? Well, let me just tell you, that's nothing compared to what Satan thinks, wants to do, tries to do. Uh, he is evil beyond what we could imagine. He is like a roaring lion seeking who he may destroy. If he had his way, he would destroy every Christian. If he had his way, he would try to destroy you. What we want to do is, is look at his life of sin. I, I got at the very bottom a quote. Lewis Berry Chaffer founded Dallas Seminary in 1924. And, and amazing, if, you, if you've ever read any of his books, uh, we, I've got a, most of them are in the library that uh, you know, we have right across from the office. And he said this about Satan. He said, he's been practicing sin longer than any other. I mean, he has, right? I mean, who's the first one to ever sin? I mean, think about it. The first one to ever sin was Satan. So let's think about, I gave you ten things, okay? Let's think about ten things that Satan does. Some of them we're going to turn to and some of them we're not. But uh, the first thing, when you're just thinking about his sinfulness, number one, he challenged God from the beginning. From the beginning, Isaiah 14, just if you want to write a verse out there, Isaiah 14, 12 through 14, in the five I wills, what did he say? I will be on the mountain, I will be above this, I will be above this, I will be like the, what? Most high. I mean, this is from the very beginning of who he is. He, he, huh? he was never good and turned bad. He was evil. No, no, no. He, 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 when he was created... There has to have been a time when he was created in his beauty. The thing we saw last time when we went to the Isaiah, and he was in beauty, and he was an a, a angel, a cherub, and he was at the throne of God, and his beauty was amazing. Obviously, he wasn't evil right then. But then it began to get lifted up. And if you remember, it says, in your pride, and you were lifted up, and where he said, I will be like the Most High. So he, But from the beginning of, of his fall, he challenged God from the beginning with the, the five I wills. The second one is, and, and I, you don't have to turn there. I'm going to turn to, uh, if you want to write First John chapter 3, verse 8. The second one is, he sinned from the beginning. Listen to this. This is First John 
chapter 3, verse 8. The one who practices sin is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. And when you go back, as far as you can go back, as far as we can think back, there's this being that is evil and sinful. So he's a sinful being. Uh, if you want to write John eight forty four, and he is a liar from the beginning. How many of you hate liars? I mean, when I say hate them, I'm not saying like you hate a person. I'm saying when somebody lies to you, how do you feel about that? Do you trust anybody that lies to you? No, you can't because you don't know what they're going to say. They're going to say something like, I wasn't there and they were there. They're going to say, oh, I did that for you and they didn't do it for you. Or they say, well, that, was, that wasn't your money, that was my money. And you go, well, I thought that was mine. I thought I lied. You know, and what you find out is that their liar can never be trusted. Satan lies all the time. He lies about everything. You know what he says? Sin's good. Sin will help you. You deserve it. You, you deserve it. You deserve to fulfill any desires that you have. You, you deserve that. That's a lie, by the way. When you fulfill the lust of your flesh, it will eventually kill you. You understand that? Fulfilling the lust of your flesh over a period of time, regardless of what it is, it will kill you. Even if your desire is banana pudding. If you eat too much <laughs> banana pudding, what's going to happen to you? It'll kill you. I mean, let's just face it. It doesn't matter what it is. The lust of your flesh lived out in extreme will kill you. Satan says you ought to fulfill whatever desires you have. Because he knows it'll kill you. It'll destroy you. He's a liar. Number four, he slandered God in the garden. If you want to write Genesis, just write out Genesis 3, 1 through 5. What did he say to, to Eve? He said, has God said y'all can't eat from all the trees? Well, that's not true, because God didn't say they couldn't eat from all the trees, right? But that's how he started off. Has God said you can't eat from all the trees? And then she said, oh, no, 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 we can eat from all the trees except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And that we're not supposed to touch it or eat it. And then what does he say? He says, what? That's not true. He says God's a liar. He said God was a liar. He, he said that, that if you eat from that tree, you'll be like God. Uh, he's a liar. And he said that God was a liar. So he slandered God in the very beginning. Listen, there are people who talk bad about God. You know, I just say, well, you just, you, one day you'll talk to him. But Satan, on purpose, slanders God from the very beginning. Number five, he tempted Jesus in the wilderness. Huh? Sorry, did you say something? Uh, number, number five, he tempted Jesus in the wilderness. If you want to write down Luke 4, 1 through 13. It's also in Matthew chapter 4. We're going to get to it on a Sunday morning pretty soon because we're about to see, we're seeing John the Baptist and then John the Baptist is going to baptize Jesus and right after Jesus gets baptized, he goes into the wilderness to be tempted. Also in these lessons, I think either lesson, you know, I'm, I'm getting ahead now, so it's either lesson eight or nine, we're going to see the temptation of Jesus and we're going to see what Satan does. Oh, it, man, the one where on Sunday morning, Matthew 4, one, you know, we'll be in it pretty soon. Matthew 4. So, it, he's tempted Jesus. Let me, actually, let me throw this out because we, we're going to get to it. But I want, what, what, what did he want Jesus to do? Why did he say, Jesus, make the stone bread, jump off the temple, uh, look and take all of the world, you can have it all. What did he want Jesus to do? Huh? 
Okay, but the bottom line is he wanted them to go contrary to God's plan. Because if you go contrary to what God said, that's what called what? Sin. He wants Jesus to sin. He wants Jesus to mess up in some way. And the ultimate thing was he never wanted Jesus to go to the cross. You're exactly right. Because that's the ultimate plan. The ultimate plan. If Jesus doesn't go to the cross and die for sin and rise again, what happens? We have no salvation. And see, there's no salvation for who? The angels. And he doesn't want us to have salvation. So if he could stop it, he would. But he can't. But he tempted Jesus in the wilderness. And if he could get him to stop. Listen to this. Number six. He possessed Judas to betray Jesus. I'm going to read some things to you. Write down John chapter 13, verse 2. And also write down John 13, verse 27. Just write those down as you're writing that he possessed uh, uh, Judas so he would betray Jesus. Listen to this. I want to read this to you. And, and it's kind of subtle, so you have to w listen to it carefully. This is in John 13, verse 2, the one, first verse I gave you. It says, During supper... This is the Last Supper. During supper, the devil having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, to betray him. Who put it in his heart? Let me ask you something. Have you ever had a wild, bad thought? And you think, where do I get this wild, bad thought? I mean, it's, it's, most of the time it's probably your what? Most of the time it's probably your flesh. But every now and then, could it be something? There's some things that come into your brain and you go, where did I get that one? Where did Judas get this idea to betray Jesus? What does it say? During supper, the devil have already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, to betray him. Well, of course, all of that, yes. All of that, yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know if Satan made him greedy, but he was definitely greedy. And, and, and he, I think, let me just say about Judas... Uh, you know, he's got a bad rap and he deserves it. But the bottom line, think about Judas. He thought that Jesus was the, and I'm not saying he believed in him as Messiah and Savior, but he believed that Jesus was probably going to overturn the Roman government and they were going to win and get those Romans out of there. And when Jesus didn't go that route, he said, I can't be on this. This ain't the winning team. I got to get to the other team. And, and I'll get some extra money and everything. And so, but but l listen to this verse. This is 13, verse 27. After the morsel, after they're eating, Satan entered into him. Possessed by the devil. Possessed by the devil. And when we get to the last couple of lessons, the last two lessons are going to be on demons as a whole. And we're going to talk about the occult and possession and UFOs and all these things like uh, people uh, read palms and fortune tellers and all that junk that's out there. It's all demonic. It's all demonic. And, and so th th there is people, there are people who are possessed. Who are, there are people who were influenced. There are people who were possessed at the time of Jesus Christ. There were many people that were possessed by demons and Jesus cast them out. So here's Judas. This is his sinfulness. How about number seven? Listen to this one. He blinds the minds of the unbelievers. He blinds the minds of unbelievers. He blinds them. 
Listen to this. It's second, just write down 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. Just write that down so you don't have to turn there. But listen to this. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. And listen to what Paul says. Now, this is, this is amazing. Because Paul's talking about his ministry. And he says, we've received this ministry, and we've got mercy, and we do not lose heart. That's Paul. Lose heart. Have you ever talked to somebody and they don't even listen to you? It's like playing his day. Listen, Jesus, I don't know. Isn't this beautiful? And they go, I don't got time for this. And you go, what? And so he says, listen, even though in the midst of the ministry, we're not losing heart. And then he goes on to say, and even if our gospel is veiled. What's the gospel? The good, it's the message, the good news message of the death and resurrection of Christ. Let me tell you, it's veiled a lot. Because what is the gospel message? It is that Jesus Christ came to the earth, died on the cross to pay for sin, and rose again. The death and resurrection of Christ and the salvation message, whoever believes in Him has what? Eternal life. That's the gospel. It is veiled everywhere. It's veiled in most churches. I'm, I'm telling you, it is veiled in most churches, even in this town. That when you hear the message, you don't hear the message that Jesus is the Savior, that He died and rose again, and whoever believes in Him will have eternal life. You may hear, come to Jesus. You may hear something like, what did come to Jesus? What does that mean? You know? <laughs> Uh, one of the most famous pastors in the United States, I, I get his podcast, well, I listen to his podcast some. He said, I've changed my message. He used, he went to Dallas Seminary with me, and he used to say, faith in Christ for salvation. He didn't say for eternal life, but he said for salvation. Now he says, my message is, just follow Jesus. What does that mean? What does that mean? If it's veiled, listen to this. If our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, in whose case the God of this world, who is that? Satan. Satan, has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. Now, it doesn't say he blinds them where they can't believe. He says he blinds the ones who are unbelieving. There's a difference. Satan cannot stop people from believing. Any, human beings are capable of believing. But it, what it's saying is that he blinds the ones that are rejecting. That's why you have to be... When people continually reject over and over and over again, sometimes they're going to get blinded. And he says here that Satan blinds the minds of the unbelieving. So that they can't grasp the gospel. So they don't see it in the same way that we want them to see it. Now, are you ready for the next one? Listen to this one. He actually takes away the salvation message from some. Okay, Luke, just write down Luke 8 verse 12 and I'll read it to you. And it's, it's a parable that Jesus is telling. Most of you know about his parables. This is one of the famous parables, the parable of the sower. Let me throw something out for you just for fun. I don't know. Huh? What did you say? Luke 8, 12. What's number eight? He takes away the salvation message from some. Okay? Now, I don't know how much time we got tonight because I'm looking at the clock and I'm trying to, but I think we're okay. You know the story of the sower, right? Y'all know the story? Okay, so the sower went out to sow, right? And some seed that he threw out, where did it land? 
It landed on the hard ground, didn't it? And the birds came and what? Ate it. And some landed where? On this rocky stuff? And it, it just grew up immediately, right? Yes, it did too. Grew up immediately. And then when the, the sun came and everything, it what? It wilted down, right? And then one fell over there and the, and the, came and hit the ground, but it got some thorns and thistles and everything. And it got choked out, right? And then one fell on good soil. Some fell on good soil and it, what, did what? 30, 60, 100 times. So you've got one that hit the hard ground, birds came and got it, never got in the ground. Then you got one that got in the ground, grew up real fast, but kind of wilted down. And then you got one that got going, but it got choked out by the weeds. And then you got some that fell. And so he then, they'd ask him later, explain this. And he says this. Now the parable is this. Those, who, those beside the road are those who have heard, hard ground, then the devil comes and takes away the word from their heart so they will not believe and be saved. That's the ones that it never, they never get it. They never get the They never believe it they, because it, it's like they hear it, but they don't hear it. Listen, I went to church once when I was six and once when I was 12. And I know that when I was in tw 12, there may have been a message there. Maybe. I never heard it. I wasn't listening for anything, right? And so, and maybe some of you went to church for years and you never heard the gospel message, even though maybe the gospel message was presented. But sometimes people just, they don't listen. And it says the devil actually came and took them away. And by the way, this one, listen to what this says. The one on the rocky soil of those here and receive the word with joy. What does that mean? Huh? They were believers. Of course they were believers. And then what happened though? When, when they had no firm root... Let me ask you something. All Christians are firm, firmly rooted? No. Of course not. In fact, that's the whole purpose of, of growing is this, that we'd be rooted and grounded in truth. But most Christians aren't. In fact, most Christians are right here. They get it, they believe it, and they never do anything. They never grow. Then the next one, it got over there, but the thorns and thistles got it. And by the way, the thorns and thistles are the worries and the riches of this world. And it just chokes them out. I have a friend that I've known for years and years and years and years, and he would say this, I'd love to go to church, but Sunday's the day I sail my boat. I'd really love to go to church, but Sunday, he's right here. Never going to grow. And then there's some, 30, 60, fruit, more fruit, much fruit. So all I want you to see is that somehow, in some way, there's some people that actually hear the message and it never even gets to them in the sense that they listen to it and the devil comes and takes it away. Oh, that's horrible. Isn't that horrible? How about, are we what, number nine? He attacks believers. He attacks believers. Ephesians 6, 11. Ephesians 6, 11. The wiles of the devil were not wrestling against flesh and blood, but against rulers and powers and world forces. And just, you know, this is where put on the full armor of God so that you may stand firm, because here he comes. And he's attacking us. Now, when I say he, we're saying devil here, but you've got to remember he's got a whole system that's after us. And then last but there's number 10. He's a roaring lion. 1 Peter 5, 8. He's a roaring lion seeking who he may destroy. That's us. Is he evil? Yeah. Do you see anything good about any of those things we, we named out? 
that he possessed Judas, that he blinds unbelievers, he takes the message away, he attacks believers, he's like a roaring lion to destroy us. He has basically challenged God from the beginning, he slandered God from the beginning, he's a liar from the beginning. He tempted Jesus trying to stop him from going to the cross for us. Now that's the being that we're talking about. And we still haven't even seen any of the bad, 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 bad stuff. Bad, bad, bad stuff. Isn't it funny that you turn on the TV and there's a TV show called Lucifer? And they make Lucifer... I, I've never seen it, but somebody said they try to make him look like a, guy, a good guy or something. Sort of. I don't know. He's not a good guy. He's not a good guy. So he's against God. He's a liar. He's a slanderer. He's a tempter. He's against people. He wants to stop people from believing. He wants to attack believers. He is sinful. Let's look at some names. Let's look at some names, okay? Let's do this. Uh, the first name I want to give you at the bottom is, is Lucifer. It's Isaiah 14, 12. It literally means the shining one. Sometimes called sun of the morning or star of the morning. It's got all kind of little different ideas of, of how it fits together. But it really means something that's bright. Now, if, if you could say this, and I'm not saying that it, it's exactly right, but sometimes people say Lucifer was what he looked like or what he was like before he fell. Because it means the shining one and the Isaiah passage. Okay, questions? What's wrong? Did I not give you verses? You don't have to turn to every one of these verses, but if you do, you'll, we'll, you'll always be way behind because we're going to have to go too fast. Okay? So I'm going to tell you what the verses are talking about. Isaiah 14, 12, he's the shining one. That's his name, Lucifer. Okay? The second one is at the top of the next page. This is page 3, am I right? Okay, and this is found in Zechariah 3 and Revelation 12, 9. Uh, this is, his name is Satan. Uh, in Zechariah 3, he actually calls him two different times uh, Satan. And if you want to, if you want to turn to any place, turn to Revelation chapter 12. And look at verse 9, because there's a bunch of names. He's named a bunch of times in this one verse. So if you've got time and you want to turn there, you can. So in Revelation 12, 9, he is called Satan. Now, what does the name Satan mean? Because we know Lucifer means what? Shiny. Shiny one. What does Satan mean? It means adversary. It means adversary. It means the one that's in opposition. It's the one that's against you. He is opposed to God and man. He has this counterfeit system. And we're going we're gonna to look at the counterfeit system in a couple of weeks. I mean, the system is unbelievably counterfeit. It is cl that's why you have cults. That's why you have false religions. That's why you have, that's why you have churches that have a false message. And everybody thinks it's okay. Because he says, I'm going to be as close to right as I can be because I'm a liar. And I have a counterfeit system. And I want to be God, not God. So he's called the adversary. He's opposed to God. The third one is called the devil. Luke chapter 4, verse 2, he's also called the devil in Revelation 12, 9. The same verse that we have there. He's called serpent of old, the devil, and Satan. He's got a bunch of names there. So the devil. Now, the devil, the word devil has a meaning. It means slanderer. Slanderer. To trip up. To give a false report. To defame. I think if you just watch television the last few days on this uh, hearing, you've seen a lot of slandering, you've seen a lot of defaming, you've seen a lot of people saying things that have no basis. 
This is what the devil does. Well, you've just seen a great picture of a divided nation because Satan would love to destroy the United States of America because the United States of America gives more money to missions than all the other nations combined. The United States sends more missionaries into the world than all of the other nations combined. This is the greatest nation in the world and Satan would like nothing better than to destroy it. So... This, he, he's, he's a slanderer. He's the devil. So he's the shining one. He's the adversary. He's the slanderer. Number four, he's called the serpent of old. It's also in that same verse that you've got, Revelation 12, 9. He's called the serpent of old. Who, who is he referring to? Who is, in Revelation, they're referring to the serpent of old? In the garden, yeah. See, when people say, was that, was that really Satan in the, you know, like as a serpent? Yes, of course, that's who it was. It was Satan. He, he, either he possessed a serpent, and remember in those days, serpents, this is before the fall, we have no idea what they looked like. They didn't crawl on their belly. And, and so we have no idea what this serpent looked like before the, the, the being was cursed. So Satan could have come as a serpent or he could have possessed a serpent. We just don't know. But he's called the serpent of old. You know, I have uh, down there 2 Corinthians 11.3. Let me just read the verse to you. It says this. I'm afraid, Paul is writing, I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. Let me tell you something simple. Jesus died and rose again. And if you believe in him, you have eternal life. There are people in this town that will tell you, that's wrong, it's too easy, that's not right, there's more to it, because they've been deceived by the simpleness of the message of Christ, because that's his plan. Just like he deceived Eve, he would like to deceive every one of us. He'd like every one of us in this room to think that you be, better be doing good works or you're not going to make it. And there are many Christians who actually trust in Christ, but they're so confused. They're, they never truly have assurance of salvation because they think that somehow they could lose it or somehow they hadn't done enough good works or they don't want to mess up somehow. And it's just, it's terrible. So this he's called the serpent of old. Number five, he's called the great dragon. He's sometimes called the red dragon. Uh, in Revelation, that same chapter you're in, where we've looked at verse 9, look down at verse 3 after you write that. If you get it written, look at verse 3. It says, Then another sign appeared in heaven, and behold, a great what? Red dragon having seven heads and ten horns, his head were seven diadems. Look down again at verse 7. And there was a war in heaven, and Michael and his angels waged war with the dragon. The dragon and his angels waged Who's the dragon? Satan. That's Satan. There's a battle between Michael and Satan right there. And then, of course, verse 9 where he says, And the great dragon was thrown down. So the, he's called the dragon or the great dragon or the great red dragon. Now this next one is one that you really need to think about. And he's number six. He is the evil one. The evil one. I've got the verses for you. I want to read something to you. This is John 17. This is in Jesus' high priest prayer. This is as he's getting ready to send the guys out and knowing they're going to be left behind. He says, I do not ask. He's praying to God. And he says, I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. He's praying for protection for the apostles 
from the evil one. First John chapter 5, verse 18, that one that I've got listed for you. Listen to this. First John chapter 5, and, and then I'm going to surprise you on one other. First John 5, 18. We know that no one who is born of God sins, but he who is born of God keeps him, and the evil one does not touch him. I'm going to read something, and you tell me what this is as I start to read it, okay? Our Father who are in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive those of our debtors. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from... It's actually the evil. The evil one. In the Lord's Prayer, it's not just deliver us from evil, it's the evil. The way it's written in the Greek, deliver us from the evil. And he's talking about the evil one. Even in that passage... He's called the evil one. Number seven, he's called the destroyer. The destroyer. That's Revelation 9-11. He's the, the, the one that comes up out of the abyss and he brings all these demons with him that look like locusts. Scorpions. I'm sorry, scorpions. And they have uh, tails and they have snake heads on the ends of their tails and they have faces like women and they have teeth like lions and they have hair and I mean these are terrible beasts that come up out and they, they go after unbelievers to torment them and he's the, the head of that and then last but not least one of my favorites <laughs> he's called Lord of the Flies he's called Beelzebub that's Matthew 20 12, 25 through 29. That's when Jesus did miracles. And if you can't deny the miracle, if you, if you, if you see a man healed right there in front of like a hundred people and he walks away, you as a Pharisee can't say that person wasn't healed. So how are you going to answer that? You're going to say that this man, Jesus, is doing his miracles by the power of the devil, Beelzebub. He's Lord of the Flies. That, that's what they call, they call Jesus Beelzebub. They said that he was demon-possessed. And that's what Beelzebub means, the prince of the demons. Okay, how are we doing so far? Is this fun? Oh, man. He's horrible, isn't he? This ought to make you throw up. He's, he's horrible. Now, let's see, let's see his positions, okay? I'm going to give you his positions. First of all, number one, this is the top of page four. Number one, he's called the anointed cherub. The anointed cherub, that's Ezekiel 28, 14. That was most believed before the fall, somehow set apart by God, guarding the throne of God. It says in Ezekiel 28, 14, you were the anointed cherub who covers, and I placed you there on the holy mountain of God. Where's the holy mountain of God? I don't know. Do you know? Where is it? It's got to be up there. Because I think when he created these beings... Hadn't created the world yet because we know that they sang for joy when the wor world was created. So this being at the throne of God, uh, the anointed cherub, wherever the mountain of God is, someplace in heaven, okay? Number two, he's called the prince of the world. 
the prince of the world. And that's John 12, 31, and also 16, 11. The prince of the world. Now, I wanna, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you a distinction here as we look at these names. The world here is the word cosmos. See, I have it written down for you. Right there, cosmos, the fallen world system. He is the prince of the fallen world system. That means he rules this fallen world system. He does. God allows him to rule it. That's why he could go to Jesus and the temptation, take Jesus up on a high mountain and said, See all the kingdoms of the world, I will give them to you. Who rules the world? Satan does. Now, everything's under God. I mean, don't, don't get bent out of shape and go, oh, what are we going to do? No, God controls everything. But God has allowed Satan to, to control this world system. And the word cosmos, I want you to remember that, okay? I got it written for you. It means an ordered system. This ordered system, this world that God has created, Satan gets to be the prince of the world. The prince of the world. And remember we told you at the very beginning, God put Adam to be the king of the world. He was the king. And he sinned, and now Satan is the king. And one day Jesus Christ is going to come as the king of kings. What's the gospel of Matthew tell us is going to happen? He's coming as the what? As the king, and he's going to be the king of the world. And so right now, Satan is the, the prince of this world. Okay? Huh? That's why it's so awful. It is, it is an awful world. In, in, it's beautiful, but awful at the same time. Number four, he is called, I'm sorry, I'm number three. Number three, he is the prince of the power of the air. These are just titles. That's why I put them down here. This is his positions. He's the prince of the power of the air. It's Ephesians 2.2. 2. That means he's the rulers of the heavens. I would say that he rules where the, the, all the fallen angels are and that kind of thing. So he has this, this title as the prince of the power of the air. That's in Ephesians 2.2. 2. Now... You ready for number four? And that is, oh, you know, okay, just, just, just rule the air. <laughs> All right? Number four, listen to this carefully. He is the God of this world. Now, does that sound like number two? The prince of this world and the God? But the word world there, 2 Corinthians 4 4, is not the word cosmos, it's the word for age. So he's the ruler of this age, and it's referring to a time period. It's referring to a philosophy, and I, I've got it written down that the emphasis is on time and philosophy. So he's the ruler at this time. Okay, he's talking about a time period, because we already know Adam ruled for this time, Satan rules for this time, Jesus is going to rule for this time. And so he's called the God of this age, this time. And he has a philosophy, that's why I said the emphasis is on time and philosophy. It's not necessarily talking about the system, it's talking about the beliefs of the system. I mean, you know the system, right? You know the beliefs of the system. Tell me some beliefs of this fallen system. You get whatever you want. There is no God. Uh, you're the ruler of your own life. If you don't take care of yourself, nobody else will. You can't trust anybody. Um, it's okay to it's okay to do whatever you want to do, uh, and nobody should tell you. You're, you're the one that decides what's right and wrong. Everyone has their own truth. Do good and God will love you. Yeah, that's a that's a belief from this system. Uh, the other night, I, I mean, I'm, I don't want to bring this up, and I'm not even going to talk about it in that sense. But in this deal that we've seen on the TV lately, I heard somebody say, well, that's her truth, and he's got his truth. So you can't have two truths. 
Not, not like that. If I said I was in the room, that's my truth, and you say he wasn't in the room, that's your truth. Somebody's truth is wrong, right? Well, Giuliani said truth is not truth. Who said that? Giuliani? Oh, my gosh. No, there's none. And so the God of this age says, guess what? There's no truth. You do, you do whatever you want. It's your life. Nobody should tell you what to do. You got your own rights. See? God of this age. God of this world. Okay, number five. He's the ruler of the demons. The ruler of the demons. And we know who the demons are. They're fallen angels. That's why I have for you Matthew 24, uh, 12, 24, and Luke eleven fifteen. He's the ruler over the demons, the fallen angels. They serve him. I don't understand. But, you know, here, here, here's the only thing I can see. And it doesn't really make sense to me. It, it just doesn't. When you have, you have an angel that is, is very is beautiful and powerful, and you have all these other angels... And when this angel rebels, somehow he's able to convince other angels to follow him and come under his authority. There is a place that in, in the book of Revelation where it says the dragon pulled its tail and a third of the stars came with him. And most people believe that's a veiled reference that's saying a third of the angels fell with Satan. Now we already know how many angels are there. Millions. Mil mil millions and millions of angels. So when we start talking about evil angels, there's a large number if a third of them fail. And we know that already that God, the, the lake of fire is prepared for the devil and his angels. See, so the, the lake of fire wasn't prepared for people. People weren't supposed to fall. Yes. Say, say that again now, that you've heard. When, you have, when, the next, when the next believer is the, makes up the same number that left whatever that millions and millions were, mm -hmm. that, He'll, that, that, that's when the, Okay, I, I've never heard it. What you're saying is, let's just make this figure up. That I'm just making it up. Three million, we're just making it up. Three million angels fail. And what you've heard, that when three million people trust Christ, yeah, and that, what I guess they're saying that those... Three million people are going to repa replace, so to speak. But, uh, you know, when, when you get down to it, that he has a total different plan for angels and people. And he didn't provide salvation for angels, but he did for people. But I've never heard that, but that is a, that's, that's, I mean, that's a unique thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 when I was a little boy, I mean, I, you know, I never went to church. And um, I remember seeing the story of Jesus being born in the star in the sky. Right? Right? And I remember going out one night thinking all those stars. I said, well, so every one of those is a person that was born. That's what I thought. I mean, think about it. I didn't know anything about Jesus or salvation or the Bible. I just knew that when Jesus was born, there was a star. So I just figured that all those stars up in the skies must have been for everybody that had ever been born. A star came up there. And so every time somebody was born, there's a new star. That's what I thought. Okay. Yeah, well, I guess there's a thought that some people would look up and say, yeah, with the, well, they're, you know, they're, the philosophy of the world and, and, and all the, some of the false religions is we are the, we are the creation. 
that, that, that when people die, they just become part of the creation. There's either reincarnation that you come back as something else, or you just melt in and become part of the creation. I mean, that's all Eastern mysticism and, and uh, the different false religions that you have out there. So there's a million things. Bottom line is, he's the ruler of these beings, and they're evil. Okay. Now, last thing, and we'll uh, look at this. Let's talk about what he does. And I think there are three main things that I want you to think about that he does. Now we're going to get a lot more details when we start looking at what he does with God, what he does with Jesus, and what he does with us. And when we talk about mankind, we're going to talk about what he does particularly with unbelievers and then what he does particularly with believers. So we're going to have a lot, we got a lot to go. And you know, when I first started, I told y'all I was, I was a little bit concerned because, it, it, I mean, I've got so much material and then I kept thinking though, well, can I have 13 lessons? Well, now I'm wondering, how can I get all this in in 13 lessons? Really, I've, I've found so much stuff that we want to talk about. I, I think when we get to the lessons, when we start talking about the occult, uh, the UFOs, uh, there, there's going to be a lot of weird... We're going to talk about it. I mean, there's a lot of weird stuff out there. Uh, Ouija boards. You don't want to mess with any of that mess. Anyway, okay, so let, let's get into what he does. Number one, he's the tempter. Matthew 4, 1. He's called the tempter. When Jesus is tempted, it says, and Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. And, and it says, it, the tempter said to him. He's called the tempter in Matthew chapter 4, verse 3. If you, that just, he's called the tempter. He's called Satan in that same passage. What he wants is for Jesus to do what? Sin. To tempt Jesus to sin. sin. What does he want for mankind as a whole? For every one of us to what? Sin. Sin, and continually sin. And let me tell you, the more you sin, what happens to you? It destroys you. It destroys you. The more you do it, the easier it is. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And, and Susie's right. That in some sins, you start off and you do it and you say, well, I'm never going to do that again. And then you do it and you say, well, I'm only going to do it one more time. Or I, I'm only going to do it a little bit more. And then it gets easier and easier. Is that somebody's phone? It, it doesn't matter. Just tell them, tell them I'm busy right this second and we'll, we'll get back to them. <laughs> Okay, he's the tempter. He, he wants to go against God. Listen, listen to this. I want to read to you 1 Thessalonians. <laughs> Satan, thank you so much for trying to disrupt our class. But anyway, that's exactly right. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 5 says, Paul is writing to the Thessalonians. He said, for this reason, I couldn't endure it longer. I also sent to find out about your faith for fear that the tempter might have tempted you and our labor would be in vain. He's saying, I, I, I was afraid that Satan might mess you up and you didn't grow as Christians and you didn't, you didn't go on to maturity. You, you, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 5. If Satan was going to tempt you, how is he going to tempt you? In something you despise or something that you like? People say that Satan is so evil and horrible. He doesn't come to people in that way. Sometimes it's power. Sometimes it's money. Sometimes it's sex. Sometimes it's no telling what. And he hits people right where they're vulnerable. That's his plan. That's his plan. He's a tempter. Okay, the second one is amazing. He's the accuser. In fact, he is called, uh, this Revelation 12.10, he's called the accuser of the brethren. 
And, and listen to this. I heard a loud voice in heaven. This is Revelation 12.10. Salvation and power and the kingdom of God has come in His authority. For the accuser of the brethren has been thrown down. He who accuses them before our God day and night. So you know what it is? This is, this is me. And let's just say he's, he's Satan. He's called the accuser, right? What's he going to accuse me of? Sin. Does he tell him the truth? Yes. Well, sometimes, and sometimes he's a liar, right? I mean, he, am I a sinner? Yeah. yeah. I mean, he didn't even need to accuse me, right? Right? Because right? God already knows we've sinned. But he's accused. What did he say about Job? If, if Job, the only reason Job loves you, God, is because you've given him everything. You take away anything from him, and he will curse you to your face. He's the accuser. I think the whole book of Job and what happened to Job was written for us so we could realize what he tries to do. He's the accuser of the brother, and he wants us to sin. Now, let me ask you something. Okay, this is me. And he says, JB's a sinner. Let's just say this JB's a liar. JB can't spell. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. That's true too. So let's say these are all these are lies. These are some of them are lies, and some of them are true. And he accuses me. Who's he accused me? Well, who does who does he accuse me before? Because what is what the verse says? The authority of our Christ for the accuser of the brethren has been thrown thrown down. He who accuses them before God, day and night. So. He's up there tattling on us. Exactly, all the time. He doesn't even have to lie, but he does. Because not only does he say, you're a liar, he says things that aren't even true about you. He makes up lies about you, but he tells the things you do bad, and then he makes up other lies too. What are we supposed to do about that? Do you notice I have a verse there that says First John chapter 2? I want you to turn to that. Hmm? Being the God that's everywhere, he already knows. Well, he knows everything. He knows everything. Yeah, he knows. He knows. But, you know, he, he deals with us like, like in time, even though he's outside of time. So watch this. First John chapter 2, verse um, 1. My little children, this is John, right? He's, he's writing to believers, but he calls them little children. He's, probably when he wrote this, he's probably... Close to 90, you know. He says, my little children, I'm writing these things so that you may not what? Sin. sin. I, uh, so what will we say? Hey, y'all, let's don't sin. I'd like to write a letter to you so that you don't sin. And we go, well, we're trying not to, but I mean, you know, okay. He says, now, if, and it's true, anyone sins, we have a what? Advocate. Advocate. With the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. When we sin... We have a what? You know what an advocate is? He's a defense attorney. He actually what it is. The word means the defender. And he's one who speaks for you. Let's just put it that way. So when Satan says JB's bad, who is our advocate with the Father? What does it say? Jesus, Jesus Christ the righteous. What does Jesus say? He said, well, first of all, Satan, shut up. Second is, his sins are already what? They're gone. They're gone. They're not even on his record book. Listen, you can say he's a liar, but let me, I just opened up the book. 
They're not in there. How many of your sins are on your account? None. Every sin that you've ever done and ever will be doing is gone. Where is it? It's been placed on when Jesus was on the cross, the sins of mankind. He is the satisfactory payment, not for our sins only, but for the sins of the entire world. Jesus already taken them all. He bore in his body our sins on the tree. They're, the sins are paid for. It is over with. He's taken them and put them as far as the east from the west. So on the record book, if you open my record book, it says J.B. Bond. He's perfectly righteous. There's not only no sin, but I have the righteousness of Jesus Christ on my record book. You do too. Because when you believed, what did he give you? To him who does not work but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited for righteousness. You got his righteousness. So you go from not only sinner to no sin to righteous. And not just some kind of righteous. We're talking about God's righteousness. Are those sinners that don't believe? Huh? Those sinners that are unbelievers, their sins wiped away. Exactly. Absolutely. Exactly. So let's do this. Let's, let's, you, that's a great point. I, I, do we have time? Y'all want to talk about this real quick? Okay, let's do this real quickly. So here, here, is, here is the human race. Jesus Christ dies on the cross. The sins of every human being, past, present, and future. So sin is gone. What does a person need to have, to, to be with, let's put it this way, to be with God forever? Because their sin is gone. But that doesn't save them. The payment for sin doesn't save. See, it doesn't say God so loved the world he gave his only begotten son that whosoever has the payment for sin has eternal life. Who has the payment for sin? Everybody. So all sins are paid for. So what is it that a person needs? Okay, well, they need to believe. But, but when they believe, what do they get? They get righteousness. Think about this. Now, think about it. You get righteousness. You get forgiveness. And you get eternal life. Now, the emphasis in the New Testament is believing to get eternal life. But at the same time, you get righteousness and forgiveness. So an unbeliever, they don't stand before God for sin. At the great white throne judgment, the books are open and the books of their deeds, not their sins. No human being ever stands before God for their sin. Why? It's on Jesus. Jesus paid it all. Sin's not the issue. I mean, in reality, you don't go to a person and say, if you could quit smoking and drinking, you might have a chance to get into heaven. No, it has nothing to do with it. All that's gone anyway. The bottom line is faith in Christ for what? Eternal life, righteousness, Romans 4, 5. Forgiveness, Acts 13, 33, and 12, 42. And then eternal life in all the verses, John three sixteen, the famous one. I mean, this is what you have to have. So sin is gone. Sin has never been the issue. Always the issue is faith. Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him for righteousness. So when a person puts their faith in Christ... They have eternal life, righteousness, and forgiveness. A person who doesn't believe, they don't go to hell because of their sins. They don't have righteousness. They don't have life. They're dead. They're still dead. Unbelievers are dead. you got to have life. And so every human being, listen, when Jesus died on the cross, did he pay for every sin? When Jesus rose from the grave, did he conquer death for every person? Believers or unbelievers? Both. So even unbelievers are going to be raised from the dead to exist forever. Where? 
in the lake of fire in the second death. They're going to exist forever separated from God because they don't have His righteousness, forgiveness, and life. Those who believe in Him are going to be raised from the dead to exist forever with Christ, and that's called eternal life. Eternal life is different than existing forever. Every human being will exist forever because He's dealt with the sin and raised them raised from up. Yeah. Well, a lot of people can't accept that Jesus Christ has... That a lot of people don't understand. They would say, a bad person deserves to go to hell. How many of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God? So no human being deserves to go to heaven. No human being. That's why it's called grace. So when a person says does bad sin. You say, oh, that person doesn't deserve to go. But what about the person who's been a nice person all their lives and they've given money away and they've been the little old lady and everything, but she's never trusted in Christ. Does she deserve to go to heaven? No, no she's sinning on short of the glory of God. And you say, well, this guy's a lot worse than she is. Yeah, there's all degrees of evilness. We've just listed at the start of evil people in this world. Now, could one of those evil people have put their faith in Christ and have eternal life? Yeah. yeah. Now, some people don't like that either. Some people would say, that's not fair. I say, look, you know what's not fair? You getting the go is not fair. None of, if we trust Jesus, we got salvation, guess what? That's not fair. It's called what? Grace. Grace. If it's fair, nobody goes. You don't want God's justice. You want His grace and mercy. His justice was poured out on Jesus Christ. He's dealt with it. His grace and mercy are poured out on us. And so you're exactly right. There's so many people, they would just never, they just can't believe that a bad person could go to heaven or a good person would go to hell when the truth is there's none good, no, not one. I know, and that's why you got the book of Job. I know, that's, I think the hardest, one of the hardest things of all is the people who say, I believe in Jesus, I want to live for Him, and bad things happen to them, and you say, why would bad things happen to good people and good things happen to bad people? Well, I know, but let's say they hadn't done anything. Yeah. You get cancer and you say, I didn't... Not be your choice. Yeah, right. Well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, you just got to realize that every time something bad happens to somebody, doesn't mean they made a bad choice or they sinned. It, it, we live in a fallen world. And sometimes children are born and they're born handicapped. People are born and there's something wrong with them. Sometimes people, there's, there's something that happens and we go, oh, why did that happen? Or Listen, I just did a funeral. I just did a funeral last Saturday for a 16-year-old boy that I baptized when he was four. I got his picture. It made me cry his little hands around my arms, and I'm put in, and they call me. He got killed in, in Kentucky, and they asked me if I'd do the funeral in Lawton, and so they brought him home, and I did the funeral. And you want to say, why did that have to happen to this sweet little boy? And we go, I have no idea. God is in control. We have to trust him. That doesn't mean that bad things don't happen. Could it be also for discipline or testing? Could, could, like it, Joe, well, that's exactly. It could be. could be dis discipline or testing for some other people. It could even be that some people will come to know Christ because of the things that happen. That's true. Yes. Yeah. If you trust him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and here's the, sometimes, and you're exactly right, when trials come, uh, 
Count it all joy, my brother, when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But sometimes we want to say, Lord, I think I got enough, if you don't mind. I don't sin anymore right now. I'd like to stay where I am. I mean, I signed up while we feel, but, uh, but that's some great points. I, I don't I, I don't know if I have time to dissect that right now, but okay, but but yeah, it, it is it is okay. We better okay. We got to finish up because we're getting over time. Yeah, sometimes. And by the way, the couple, the family that lost their little boy, that I did the funeral this. That's exactly what people said because they were incredibly standing for Christ. And the mother said, "I've got to get back because they had the funeral." In the town, he was a high school boy, 700 kids came to the funeral. And she said, when I get back, I've got a whole bunch of these girls that have been coming to me, and they want to know about Christ. Okay, so God's going to take something horrible and use it for good. He always does. What did Joseph say to his brothers? You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Okay, so all I, I don't know how we got into this, but in the bottom line is, just remember we have an advocate. When he, when he accuses us, we have an advocate. The last one, number three, is he's a deceiver. He lies. Revelation 12, 9, Revelation 20, verse 3. He's a deceiver. He lied to Adam and Eve. He lies to us. He lies to God. He lies about God. He lies everything. So he is evil, evil, evil. Oh, so, so when you think about it, the devil is real. From the beginning, he's always been evil. Uh, his names are Satan and Lucifer and devil and serpent. And he's a cherub and a ruler of the world. And he's a tempter and a liar. He's all of those things. So that's who he is. So applications, let me give them to you quickly. And then we'll go over the quiz. Or I'll, I'll read it pretty quick. And then we can put the quiz up here if you want to come take a picture or something. Number one, realize just how evil the devil really is. Realize just how evil he is. More than you can imagine. More than, more than we can imagine. We'll never imagine how evil he really is. We just can't imagine. I think it's beyond our comprehension how evil he is. Number two, know the, na- know the names of the devil in the scripture. Know some of the names. Know that he's the devil and he's Lucifer and he's the, the dragon and he's Satan and he's the prince, of, uh, Lord of the Flies. He's Beelzebub. He's got all those different names. Understand, number three, understand that the devil rules the fallen world. And you, when you think of the world, that's the cosmos, but you can also say age, which means the philosophy of this world. He controls it all. Everybody got that so far? Are we okay? Number three, understand the devil rules the fallen world. Are everybody okay? Are we caught up yet? Okay, number four, understand the different activities of Satan. I mean, he is an accuser. He's a deceiver. He's a liar. He's a tempter. That's who he is. Understand the activities of Satan.